Bones and Bobbins podcast is now on Patreon. Whee! Would you like access to bonus episodes, digital extras, exclusive merch, and more? <laughs> Join us in the curiosity shop at patreon.com backslash bones and bobbins. Your generous support helps make the show happen and will earn you our very eternal gratitude and entry into our private Patreon-only Facebook group, which is a very nice place on the internet to be, especially with Twitter imploding. Right? It it better not implode before AT&T Twitter customer support fixes my fucking phone. (laughs) Right? That was a lovely, lovely little perk of Twitter. Uh, yep. So it it better hang in there for a little while longer. I shall cross all the things in the meantime. Come yeah. hang out with us in our que- cre- creepy, cozy, completely drama-free little corner of Facebook. <laughs> it's true. It is. It's true. In a dusty old shop on a forgotten old street, you'll find two witches with books three boxes deep. Next to rusty old needles and faded red thread, you'll come in for yarn, but leave with pigments instead. Whether poisons or patterns, we're always discreet. Where creepy and crafty and morbidity meet. Welcome to the Bones and Bobbins podcast. Hello, morbid makers. We are your slightly creepy, mildly disconcerting, somewhat sinister, delightfully discomposed, opaquely odd, merrily morbid, marvelously misanthropic hosts. And this is Bones and Bobbins, Season 3, Episode 17, Indigenous Badassery. It's true. I'm Haley from Red Handled Scissors and the Very Serious Crafts Podcast, and I go by she and her. And I'm Natalie from Uber Dark Designs, an official true crime creative, and my pronouns are she and her. Huzzah. Huzzah. So, hey, hi. How you doing? What's going on? What's happening? I have... Listen. (laughs) I probably have an answer, but I don't know what it is. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, I don't know. What's going on with you? Uh, Car fuckery. That's always fun. Yeah, you've had epic car fuckery. <laughs> like, I, I, I... Somewhere there has got to be, like, a prize or distinction for if fuckery is going to go down in someone's life, it goes down epically. I would like to think that I win that award. Well, Um, at least in, like, the mildly, or medium, even, inconvenience level. Right. It's like, every time I'm like, whoo, shit is together. Wait, no, 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 it was together, stop! (laughs) It's like you. I am moderately inconvenient. And I love you. Ah. I wonder if I could break up with it. Hmm. <laughs> I don't think so. <sighs> but you can try. 
I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Um. Yeah, I'm ex I am. Um. So there's two two things keeping me going. Yeah. Um. One is. Oh dear, I think it's called the Big Brunch, mm -hmm. which is uh, Dan Levy's new show. It is on HBO Max. It is fucking delightful. It yeah. is, yeah, it's um, basically like he has curated this group of chefs that all have like a higher purpose and just kind of different and not your typical chefs and he's they're all competing via brunch items um to you know win and it very definitely has that great british bake-off mm -hmm. but all of the glorious gayness that is dan levy <laughs> you know like it is so good um just yeah it is just delightful um and so that makes me very happy um i've been watching that and then i um and then it's native national native american heritage month that is true which um a while back when i it's probably been about a year now i made a conscious effort to make sure that i followed on tiktok obviously my if they're cute animals if it's witch talk if it's lgbtq like i probably follow it but but i made it a point to hone in on educating myself on the process of decolonization and mm -hmm. um and following more creators to learn from and um and the native and indigenous people that i have followed um, and what I've learned from them, um, have been amazing. Um, also, nice. if you've not watched, um, Res Dogs on Hulu, um, it is amazing. The whole show is an indigenous cast. To, right. It's all so authentically indigenous and so amazingly done and just wonderful um i highly recommend it that's that's great so those are my two my two comfort items um right now well i have now just remembered what yes. what mine are yes so first i would like to share a minor triumph oh yes for the first time since the beginning of the pandemic, I baked for myself. And it was lovely looking. Yes, I, I baked a loaf of bread, and I really like baking bread. Um, and it was crunchy and delicious, and I was very pleased. Um, I have baked two other times during the pandemic but both were um for my friend sierra's birthday mm. uh, specifically because she gets cupcakes on our shared birthday Aww. and so i have done that 
but no other no other cooking or baking since the beginning of the pandemic and it feels sort of like a revelation that i finally Ew. finally did the thing i still don't That's feel like awesome. doing very much of it but i have used my kitchen that is mine for the yes. first time so is um it is my small triumph it's a it was a damn fine looking loaf of bread i yes now i'm gonna have a significant amount of it for dinner um yes yes and then a thing that is just making me smile Mm -hmm. is a page on um facebook that is called uh the krasneski manor for wayward cats Everything about that just speaks to my soul. <laughs> yeah. And so basically, they, um, uh, this husband and wife bought a, an old Victorian manor, I think in Iowa, and nice. are restoring it. And they did that at about the same time as I bought my ridiculous Victorian mansion. Except <laughs> theirs is orders of magnitude more ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and uh, so they have this absurd Victorian manor that they are restoring. And we're talking like with grounds and shit. Oh, wow. Um, and they also have a bunch of rescue cats and i love that yeah so um this is basically what their um to give you an idea their um i think one of their first posts explaining what they were Mm -hmm. is this manor is a place for cats raccoons and fish and even rats the dispossessed the feral stray for those who've simply lost their way, the manor does not judge a guest or value one more than the rest. Its message is we all have worth, no matter what our place at birth. We hope that all our friends will find the manor is a state of mind, a welcoming place with a friendly view, because many of us are wayward cats, too. I love that. Yes, and so... This is one of the, like, it's a small page, three and a half thousand followers, like, and so the, you're actually talking to the human who is behind the page when you're commenting and they get excited about things that you say and ask for photos of your projects and things like that. And so to my absolute fucking delight they discovered treasure yesterday oh treasure silver treasure (gasps) hidden in the attic oh yeah um that the raccoons that also live in the attic may or may not have been like throwing around (laughs) Um, because they have heard the sounds, um, but they found just, uh, 
they found over 800 coins yesterday. <gasps> wow. And that is treasure. Yeah. So, like actual real treasure. And um, they are photographing them and cataloging them. And it isn't like someone's coin collection. I don't think it seems to be like someone squirreled away money Mm -hmm. um, in case it was ever needed. And Mm -hmm. there are lots of um, lots more details about who they think it probably was and when and um, conjecture about why. But it also involves a prophetic dream that the owner had. Uh, in involving silver and finding silver and the very uh i believe the very next day is when they found this well raccoon's hoard of treasure <laughs> that's awesome i'm gonna absolutely check it out yep and so they are just delightful and everything they post makes me smile and um yeah they're just i feel like we're the the same kind of of human yeah and so i will link to the page in the show notes and you can go look at the treasure but for sure read the whole story about how it happened and the dreams and all of it because it will suck you in it is so worth the read i'm excited i also want to know if i can come pet the raccoons (laughs) uh i don't know that the raccoons want petting but they um they have a lot of fun (laughs) (laughs) and the guy refuses to take away the toys that they play with in the attic <laughs> before they can actually secure the place because why would like they're just going to continue coming in and out mm-hmm. so why would you take away the things that make them happy right. <laughs> and um so uh they have a bucket that is their favorite toy that they throw around the attic so you can imagine <laughs> raccoons in the attic oh of gosh. this manor throwing around buckets in the middle of the night that that's delightful yeah. <laughs> yeah anyway so that that has been making me happy and like last night before i went to bed um, the guy posted a teaser about having found something um, and a, a bird skeleton was in the photo Oh, um, because they also found a bird skeleton um, but uh, it, yeah it was I was excited like I had found this stuff so nice it's uh, it's pretty fun. I look forward. Highly to recommend. It. Yay! That is awesome. Do you know who else is awesome? I do know who else <laughs> is awesome. This is the time when we would like to take a quick break to thank all of our fantastic Curiosity Shop members over on Patreon. Yes, thank you. And if you join today, you will get yourself a 
special, totally normal, and not at all creepy. Welcome right about here in the next episode. Yep, it's true. Because you, yes you, you listening, you're the best. The best. And we would totally go explore hidden old graveyards or attics in Victorian mansions (laughs) in the woods with you. Absolutely. And if you want in on this fun, not only do you get access to all the surprises and fun stuff, you also get a huge, huge backlog of Patreon-only episodes. So many, like more than 50. (laughs) Yeah, like more than 50. Um, And you get to get um, some bloopers and some more personal stuff. We don't censor ourselves in terms of offspring and you know no, you get stuff. to hear uh, the unvarnished truth <laughs> yes. and also well just join let's just say there are many inside jokes that live in the facebook group mm-hmm. because of things that have come out of our mouths absolutely yep and it's fun yep so give us a join we make a great gift yes Uncensored Autism Association <laughs> with words is all I'm saying. Uh, so, yeah. Well, since it is uh, Native American Heritage Month, we wanted to feature some Native American and indigenous makers and historical figures. And I rather accidentally stumbled upon the most badass woman I think I have ever heard about. I do not understand. (laughs) All right. So allow me to tell you a story. I love a story. Yes. Settle in. Get your snack cozy up to the fire and I'm going to tell you the story of Madame Marie Dorian oh who is according to me specifically a certified badass nice okay so there are many names attached to this woman I suspect that some of them have to do with her having, um, throughout her life, multiple spouses. Um, But um, Marie Dorian is the most common name associated with her during this particular time. Um, But she's also known as Madame Marie... uh, Ooh... A.O. Dorian Venier Toupin. Oh, all right. <laughs> um, and also Marie Lagivoire. So. I'm sensing a tiny bit of French. <laughs> they're French Canadian. Yes. All right. And she lived from about mid to late 1780s. Ooh to September 5th of 1850. 
So here's where I tiptoe into a bit of identity information that I'm not entirely sure about. Um, and absolutely welcome more information if you happen to have it. I did do a lot of research and I found a lot of answers in places where I would expect the right answers to be, like uh, government records and the National Park Service, like mm-hmm. things like that. And so I'm not sure. Now, Marie is identified as Matisse in most sources that I found, um, which is a description identifying the children of indigenous peoples and European settlers. Okay. From my research, this name doesn't seem to be derogatory or used in a derogatory fashion, and it does show up in every single source that I found that was a reasonable source with a lot of information. Um, But I'm unsure whether it's a name that is reserved for self-identification or identification within the community. Um, If you happen to know and want to shoot me a message, I would be happy to pass along that information in a future episode. Um, Definitely. And that's the only time I'm going to use that word, but because that was the description of her everywhere, it seemed as though it might be an important description. So, anyway. Duly noted. Yes. Right. So, her mother was of the um, Iowa people, and her father was French-Canadian. She was a member of, um, again, the Iowa people of the Sioux Nation. And again, every single source said something a little bit different and had ever so slight adjustments to tribal affiliations and umbrella names. But I believe that the Sioux Nation is the most accurate description available right now. Um, since white people have a super nasty habit of naming groups of people whatever they want to name them instead of calling groups of people by the names they call themselves. I can't pronounce Um, that. Your name's now Mark. Yeah. So, uh, there's some bullshit. I do not know if the bullshit is involved in this. Um, I think what I'm saying is accurate and current, but if not, and you know, let me know, because I want to know. All right, so when she was 21, she reluctantly made history as the only woman on the legendary Hunt expedition that was financed by John Jacob Astor to establish Fort Astoria. Um, which would be the first fur trading post at the mouth of the Columbia River on Oregon's coast. And so right away, you know, you hear Oregon. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk some real Oregon Trail shit. Okay. 
yeah. Um, and if you are not old enough to understand that reference, I cannot help you. Hopefully she didn't die of dysentery. She did not. Okay, good. No. And when I say that she was reluctantly pulled into this whole expedition, mm. I mean that she was pregnant, had oh. two small children, and wasn't exactly excited to start a 3,000-mile trek through dangerous wilderness from St. Louis, Missouri, to Oregon. Which, fair enough. But alas, Marie's husband Pierre was well known for two things. One was being a violent drunk. Oh, no. Two was being fluent in many Sioux languages and dialects. So, once he had been hired on by the Pacific Fur Company to join the expedition, mm -hmm. there was no debating or reasoning with him. If he was going, they were all going. And I read a couple accounts that described her trying to talk him out of it and receiving a very severe beating. Oh, no. I don't know if that happened or has been embellished to make the story narrative move along. Um, but he was known to be a violent drunk. I was going to say, it seems to add up. Yeah, he, he doesn't have a great track record. All right, so... Since they had to go, they went. And they left in April of 1811. Starting a trend that would not bode well for the trip, when they left, they had 62 men in the party. No other women oh. at all. Oh, no. And too few horses. Oh, God. Her children were likely around one-ish and four at this time, and the youngest was strapped to her back on a cradleboard. Jesus. Why would you... And when I... I say her children, I do mean their children, but he does not seem to be involved in any way except for the dickon. I so mean, I the mere fact that she's being forced to go on this trip with is... Yeah. Bananas. There wasn't... Yeah. So there wasn't enough food, there wasn't enough water, and there certainly weren't enough horses to save her from traveling most of the 3,000 miles on foot. Oh, God. Yep. On Dogs foot with baby. What's that? I said on foot with baby. On foot with baby holding the hand of... A toddler. Jesus. Yeah. So, dogs died of thirst. Some men reportedly boiled and ate their leather moccasins. Oh. This may be apocryphal. I don't know. But let's just say they weren't doing very well. Yeah. Food-wise and water-wise and anything basic necessity-wise. Uh, and have I mentioned that by this time it was December? Oh, fuck. And that Marie was extremely pregnant? Oh, no. Yeah. But, whatevs. 
The party was finally in Oregon at this point, and the only way to get where they were going was to go over the Blue Mountains in December in the snow. With babies. Well, extremely, extremely not well balanced. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And this isn't like going over the mountains on a road. This is climbing mountains that have no paths. Oh, like that yikes. have not been climbed before and without uh-huh. modern safety equipment. <laughs> oh, oh no gosh. safety equipment. They didn't even have enough horses. And they thought about eating the ones they had back when the dogs died of thirst and they ran out of food. So And I'm sure that the I don't shoes think they did were not exactly them. proper traction. I don't know. I'm not sure um, what the options for the bottom of moccasins were, although leather can be pretty grippy. So, and you would be able to feel the ground with your feet. Very. So. Until they were numb because they were frozen. Well. (laughs) Oh, God, I cannot. Nothing about this is pleasant. No. Well, it gets worse. Oh, God. Yep. So on December 31st, Marie gave birth alone to the baby she had been carrying. Oh, peanut. She was alone because she was literally the only woman. And not only was she alone doing that, the rest of the party continued on and just left her to have that baby. Um, And then she had to rush to catch up with the rest of the party again right after the birth shut up they're like yeah you just sit here and do your thing and we'll come you just catch up when you're done and i, I mean whooped my placenta at them <laughs> swear to god as anyone who has ever read about the terrible terrible things that happen to groups of indigenous people it was not abnormal for people to give birth on trails and then keep walking. That's so heartbreaking. Like, it's fucked. I also don't know that it would have been any different if she had been a white woman. Um, Because... Men. Men. (laughs) Yeah. So. Oh, that poor... Please, did, did they leave her behind with the children? I assume so. Who was going to watch those kids? God. Um, sadly, the baby would only live for six days. Oh, God. It didn't... There wasn't really a record of what happened. I sort of suspect that the baby maybe froze. Um, Any number of things. She perhaps just wasn't healthy because, you know, she had been starving and right it's walking sh- for three thousand miles if she's dehydrated she's i mean her body could be working as hard as it can to produce a supply of milk but if she's dehydrated herself there's no way that she's going to produce enough nourishment for oh, that child i didn't even think about that yeah. see this is why a mom needs to weigh in <laughs> yeah i can't I- even imagine 
it's, it super did not occur to me that her breast milk wouldn't come in. Like it also didn't occur to me that the baby would need to eat. Right. So. <laughs> right. Like she. So she. I mean, like, she was probably still breastfeeding. Right, right. At least the baby on her back. Right. But at the same time, like, so your body is a miraculous thing. And it, it'll work. It'll work and supply. If you have a kid that eats constantly, your yep. body's natural instinct is to, to then overproduce to provide for that child. Yep. But it needs its own resources to produce that milk. And one of the big things is water. If you're dehydrated, that... In and of yeah, itself. water and calcium, right? Yeah, so it's yeah, it might have been working as hard as it could to produce, but I can't imagine that um, that it was producing yeah. enough for any of the kids. You know, well, she must have had some genetics of steel this because, woman. like, there aren't records of broken bones. Wow, and like things that you would assume would happen during this kind of trek yeah um so like i said the baby would only live for six days Mm. and marie reportedly named the baby little lark and buried it along the trail oh um the grave is unmarked i assume that the baby returned to nature and that is that that's heartbreaking Um, it's just heartbreaking yep uh, so, again, the baby was buried along the trail where she was still walking. <sighs> Except, of course, for that time, she was in a deadly canoe ride what? on the Columbia, where it seems that she and the children were fine, but... Definitely one of the men in the party did not survive that. So. She's a badass. There's that. And I think that was maybe the last of the terrible adventures before they finally got where they were going. Because they arrived in what would be Fort Astoria on February 15th of 1812. But the story doesn't end. With Fort Astoria sorted out, Marie and the kids found themselves, once again, traipsing through the wilderness to establish yet another fur trading outpost. Good golly. But this time in Idaho. And the drunken husband is still along, probably still employed as a translator. (sighs) I don't know. I didn't find him. I don't to be very like interesting. him. I don't like him. Yeah. I. Mm, nah. Um, it would seem that once in the area of said new outpost, Marie and the kids stayed put while her husband went off to do whatever it is drunken husbands do while trying to set up trading posts (laughs) i don't know um while he was gone and i'm honestly kind of amazed that they weren't required to traipse along with him seriously um i'd have been like nope i'm fucking done (laughs) yeah i would have i mean it's my impression that there was 
sort of a larger um, camp in that area and then a group of men went a few days further Mm -hmm. to where that post would be established. Okay. So I think that they were in a location that already had some sort of trading post. Okay. um, Or some sort of more permanent-ish camp. Okay. So I'm not sure. But lucky her, she did not have to go. Except... While he was gone, Marie received a warning from some local indigenous friends that another local band of indigenous people were going around and attacking settlers' camps. Oh, no. Which, um, I I wonder if it's because they're on their land. Right. Yeah, so fair enough. But... For reasons unclear, Marie seems to be invested in this marriage and trying to save her husband's life. She packed up food and supplies, grabbed her children, and rode out of town. Not out of town. There is no town. (laughs) Rode out of the camp on horseback um, for several days to warn her husband. Wow. But it was too late. She would discover her husband's body on January 14th of 1814. Oh, no. So So there she was, alone, in the middle of winter, standing in the midst of a burnt camp with no supplies and a bunch of bodies. There's snow. The temperatures are freezing. And she's not even safe where she's standing. Oh, shit. Because it doesn't matter right? she is in an indigenous person because yeah. she is still She's not there. part of the colonizing yeah. group. And so what did Marie do? Surrender to the elements, maybe? Fuck, no, she didn't. She had a five-year-old, a toddler, and an unrelenting will to make sure that all of them survived. So, like anyone would do, she hiked through snowdrifts, blizzards, feet bloody, bodies freezing for nine days. She butchered her horse by herself. Damn. Uh huh. To keep her and her boys alive. She then resorted to catching mice to sustain them. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. She is a badass. And finally, when the boys couldn't go on anymore, she fashioned a shelter for them. Um, So basically, she dug a hole, lined it with furs, and nestled the boys inside. And then she went off looking for help and basically snowblind she was continuing to wander through the wilderness when she was rescued by Walla Walla tribe members and I am not sure if that is the current and correct identification gotcha. for those peoples 
Um, and they took her back to their village. And immediately, members of the tribe also returned to the hut to rescue her sons. Oh, God. Which means, like, oh, she must have moved so fast. Right. Because, I mean, those babies. Right. They weren't oh going to be able to fend Thong. No. Uh, and, I mean, leaving them, like, toddlers don't do what you tell them to do. No, no, they do not. Like, I don't know. But at I the mean, same time, different time, I'm willing to bet that they were so tired and so weary and just drained that if they were reasonably warm and a shelter and they had the body heat of each other, they probably just crashed for some period of time, you know? Oh, I'm I'm sure that that is probably the case as well. But, like, I am just amazed by her survival skills yeah and like that isn't luck that is pure skill yeah she like none of this happened by luck except maybe the running into the other people when she was very very near exhaustion um but i'm under the impression that she was going to get help right and that she knew where she was going so and she was able to send them back to where her children were in the middle of the wilderness when it's like blizzarding and shit yeah like it's not like i assume there wasn't exactly a trail right and if it's blizzarding your the footprints are gone yeah so Holy shit. Wow. Um, and she then went on to live until September 5th of 1850. That's amazing. And as far as I'm aware, the children survived and were fine. Like, there isn't even information on like frostbite wow or like amputations or anything like that any hypothermia related injuries yeah wow that is truly amazing what a badass yeah i mean just the skill like and she knew how to build a cave that could insulate and keep them warm like use the snow as insulation which really does work if anyone has ever needed to do that like that is what you do Mm -hmm. um as long as you can stay dry Mm -hmm. and but like wow that's amazing that woman is a stone cold badass absolutely and she, I mean, didn't have to deal with that husband anymore. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Although, he's dead? Oh, well. <laughs> it must have been horrifying to discover the bodies because they... I mean, yeah. The bodies were not um, 
respectfully left. Oh, I'm sure not. Dead. And it doesn't, you know, even if he could have been the world's most asshole husband slash father, but it's still a jarring thing, no matter what. Yep. And I mean, those kids also saw all of that. Oh, God. Oh. Yep. And I believe she went on to marry two more times. <laughs> and I think there were another couple of kids. All right. Get um, it, lady. Her husbands kept getting murdered. Oh, that's not fun. I mean, she wasn't murdering them. Yeah. <laughs> as far as I was going to say, know. if she didn't get rid of the first one, then. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that uh, a good story. is the fucking amazing indigenous woman, Madame Marie Dorian. Wow. Thank you yeah. for sharing that. Yeah, isn't she awesome? She is very awesome. Yep. Very, and very And there awesome. are, um, like, there's more information about her on the uh, National Parks website. Um, there are several very specific articles about... Um, Uh, basically snapshots of her life and there are uh, apparently she was buried under the original church at that Idaho settlement I believe oh that's kind of cool and the church burned to the ground and the (laughs) new one was built on top and nobody knows where her grave is but we have a general idea of what happened to her that poor woman (laughs) um but she was a contemporary of um, Sacagawea. Okay. And probably knew her because they were, they both came from the same St. Louis camp at about the same time. Um, and yet so little is known about this amazing, like tenacious woman. That's sad. Anyway. She deserves books and movies. I am in awe. As am I. Yeah. So um, that that is that is my story. That's amazing. So if you've listened to us for a while, you've probably heard us rant maybe just a tiny bit about colonialism. <laughs> and mm. today we're going to use our platform to pay homage to some of the amazing inventions that North American indigenous peoples have gifted us. And are not given credit for at all or nearly enough. Now, there's yep. so very many. Like, far more than we could ever <laughs> tackle in one episode. Um, yes. But I am going to briefly touch on those after I move Ron Swanson. Sorry. Sorry, sir. Um, but it's so cute. <laughs> so floof. So floof. So chonk. So about to climb on the keyboard. Um... <laughs> I'm going to briefly Correct. touch on those in the realm of public like public health and medicine. Uh, now, before Lily White Asses stepped foot on this continent, there was a rich, <laughs> vibrant, thriving civilization inhabiting it all over the place. We learned from uh, them. Yeah. We learned from them. And then what did we do? We tried to completely exterminate them because we were absolutely the fucking worst. 
Um, yep. One of the cornerstones of all indigenous tribes is their relationship with nature. And Mm -hmm. it has long fascinated me and been something that I wanted to delve into much deeper. And like I mentioned in my attempt to broaden my knowledge and work on decolonizing myself, I've made it a point to follow and learn from many different indigenous TikTokers, uh, or TikTok creators, um... And that ranges from history to medicine to all the different things. Um, And one thing that I feel that it's um, important to stress before I begin my shallow dive here is that there is a difference between remedies and rituals. Mm -hmm. And there are many rituals involving medicinal plants that are closed practice. And I will absolutely not be covering them as they are not mine to cover. Everything that I'm talking about is open practice, and they actually encourage everybody to learn about, to respectfully learn about it. And um, there's a couple of really great books on it, and they're super open to tell you about that. So um, if you'd like to learn more, check out the show notes for resources, Um, but I'm going to jump on in. First up, as we were talking about a badass mama... And her babies, uh, we have baby bottles. Now, as a mom, it has honestly crossed my mind several times, like how those so long ago handled nourishing their youth. Yeah. There are so very many reasons why breastfeeding may not work. Um, or other forms of nourishment distribution would have had to have been used either on their own or along with breastfeeding. Uh, long before wet nurses were even a thing amongst the rich and privileged and long before Southers made their way to American lands, the Iroquois, Seneca, and others created bottles to aid in feeding infants. According Mm -hmm. to Arthur C. Parker, who was an American archaeologist, historian, folklorist, museologist, and noted authority on Native American culture, the invention consisted of the insides of a bear and a bird's quill. After, hmm. after cleaning, drying, and oiling bear intestines, a hollowed quill would be attached as a teat, allowing concoctions of pounded nuts, meat, and water to be suckled by infants for nutrition. The mixture was cooked until it turned to liquid. Um, another baby food or milk alternative that they also used was a corn and water mixture, which hmm. I find amazing. Amazing. Yeah. That same principle was then kind of shrunk down to give us the first syringes. Uh, hmm. In 1853, a Scottish doctor named Alexander Wood was actually credited for the creation of the first hypodermic syringe. Uh, he used it to inject morphine. But yeah, no. <laughs> No, <laughs> I think it to other people, but probably himself too. Uh, indigenous people had created a method using a sharpened hollow upper bone connected to an animal bladder that could hold and inject fluids into the body. The earliest hmm. syringes were used to do everything from inject medicine to irrigate wounds. Oh. There are also cases in which these tools were even used to clean ears and serve as enemas. And yeah. all of that is fucking brilliant. Just brilliant. Yeah. Um, pain has existed long before you could walk into an apothecary. 
And we can thank Native American heat. I would just like to point out yeah. irrigating wounds. Yeah. Well before germ theory. Right. Oh, my God. They... Because somebody noticed that wounds wanted to be clean. Oh, yeah. Like, then, yeah. Seriously. If we, honest to God, I can't even imagine. I have thoughts. What our entire civilization would be like if we shut the fuck up and let them do their things learn from them and treat them like the majestic motherfuckers they were because honestly they were so much wiser than our dumbasses um but yeah that's a whole whole rant for another day kind of <laughs> so uh we can thank native american healers for leading the way in pain relief uh what is in what is now virginia Natives used jimson weed, whose scientific name is Datura stramonium, as a topical analgesic, grinding the root to make a plaster that they then applied to external injuries like cuts and bruises. Healers also had patients ingest the plant as an anesthetic as they set broken bones. Another native remedy for pain and inflammation was tea brewed from the bark of the American black willow, which is uh, Salix nigra, which contains the chemical salicin. And once it gets into the body, salicin produces salicylic acid, which is the active ingredient in modern aspirin tablets. Native Americans also used capacin. Capsaicin? That's it. A chemical found in hot peppers for topical pain relief. Uh... And uh, preventing potential pain, they were also the first to create and use sunscreen. <gasps> right? Uh, for hundreds of years, many Native cultures had a common skin application that involved mixing ground plants with water to create products that protected the skin from the sun. Um, and this came in the form of a plethora of tribes that used various forms of bombs, Lotions are salve to protect their skin from strong sun rays. The Zuni use the Western wallflower, which is the Erisimum captatum, as a sunscreen or sunburn treatment by mixing the ground plant with water and applying it to the skin. Southwest tribes treated sunburn with aloe vera, a popular treatment today. Uh, Pre-contact North American Indians used fat from animals and oil from fish or plants for sunscreen. Uh, Northeast tribes used oil from sunflower seeds. Pennsylvania Indians used petroleum jelly due to their proximity to petroleum deposits. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that amazing? To, to be like, oh, that, just to even acknowledge that, oh, hey, maybe it's the sun causing, you know what I mean? Like, just, it's fascinating. It's um, so we've covered, uh, pain, pain prevention, external, and now an uncomfortable internal suppositories. Ooh. Huh. Hemorrhoids and the pain they cause have been around for ages. And, uh, North American, Northeast Indigenous people, uh, North American, <laughs> Northeast Indigenous people. Created a small plug with medicinal properties made from the dogwood tree, which is Cornus paniculata, that were then moistened, compressed, 
and inserted to treat them. Dogwood is actually still used today, although not that often, externally for wounds. Hmm. So I'm going to wrap this up with some more uncomfortableness. Birth control. I don't find that to be uncomfortable in any way. (laughs) Right? Uh, When Roe v. Wade was overturned, there was a Hmm. slew of information going around attributed to a huge range of folklores on how to both prevent and end pregnancies as options in areas where they are no longer available. Um, And I cannot... Yeah, a lot of this is real dangerous. Right. I cannot begin to stress this enough. None of them should be used without extensive research and input from a medical practitioner. That medical practitioner could actually be an indigenous healer. I'm not I'm not using that term as just a white doctor male person. I'm saying right. that you need to absolutely someone who knows what the fuck they're doing. Exactly. Um because that lovely recipe photo on Pinterest could be way the fuck off and things could get ugly quick. Yeah, yeah, don't don't kill yourself. Please and Bye. thank you. Um, and we're not even yeah. going to get to the termination part of it. Um, no. But while oral, this, this just boggles my mind. So while oral birth control wasn't introduced to the United States until the 1960s as a mean of preventing pregnancy... Uh, something with a similar purpose existed in indigenous cultures long before. In fact, historical records go back to the 1700s, hmm. stating plant-based practices such as ingesting herbs dogbane and stoneseed were used for at least two centuries earlier to prevent unwanted pregnancy. And while they're yep. not as effective as current oral con- contraception, there are studies suggesting that stone seed in particular has contraceptive properties. Hmm. The Shoshone and the Navajo tribes first used stone seed along as um, also known as Columbia Pacoon Lithospermum ruderale, which they drank as a tea for oral contraception. The Hopi tribe used the Indian paintbrush plant to prevent pregnancy. Um... But I thought that was absolutely just amazing. Um, Yeah. We have got to realize that the relationship, the very strong, solid relationship that indigenous people have with nature, because I don't know, this is their fucking land, and they know it better than any of us, is... Beyond priceless. And we would have been wise to listen to them. And we would be wise to learn and listen now. Because one of the biggest things the pandemic showed um, with, you know, not just the pandemic, between the pandemic and then the war in Ukraine, which, you know, BT dubs still going on, people. Um <sighs> these distribution issues we have and shortages of supplies. And I am thankful that I live in an area where people have hunted their entire lives who grew up, you know, like our neighbor has the most giant garden. He is so proud of, and he, he hunts his pantry is filled with canned items. Everything he grows in his garden, he freezes and processes and cans and, 
we've canned pickles together and just mm-hmm. salsa, all that stuff. But their way of life is sacred on so many amazing levels. And it just breaks my heart that we are too thick headed and pompous to realize that to have that kind of relationship with nature and know your body and your environment well enough to come up with these advanced things in the 1700s, like way before. Like the, they were. Cr- I mean, it's not dissimilar to uh, women healers who were, you know, uh, thought to be witches because right. they knew a thing or two about nature and how the body works. Right. It's just that we uh, European folk, well, we're not great at um, actually using and appreciating that knowledge and therefore we lose it. Yeah. It, yeah. So I, um... I've been loving learning, but it still boggles my mind and breaks my heart that and I can't fathom like my brain as a human and as the human that I am cannot fathom encountering stepping foot on land you've never been on before encountering people and not being anything less than fascinated in a respectful way and wanting to learn and I I can't I can't imagine like I can't fathom how they're like oh let's just take this shit and get rid of them like I don't I can understand fear right fear of the unknown in any situation I mean anytime we come upon groups of people that we don't know right um there's an aspect of that But once people are proven to, you know, just be people, well, and if you're then maybe don't be an asshole and massacre everyone. Seriously, if you're stepping into somebody's house and you're and you have a gun, and they're in leatherwear, you know, (laughs) they have maybe like a hunting knife, like just. The stark differences, like, why why would you feel the need to, you have enough power if you needed to use it. There's no reason to, it's all just heartbreaking to me, and I it's feel horrible. It's complicated bullshit. It is. Um, and, again, I, I encourage, I encourage everyone to, to, to at least pick, like, find one creator, just pick something something and learn from it because mm-hmm. they're still being exterminated in, yes. in front of our faces um and i mean it's heartbreaking yeah. murdered and missing indigenous women oh yes look that up it's if you listen to us it's gonna be right up your alley interest wise right like get involved and Get angry. Yes. And then get busy. Yes, absolutely. Also, right now, it was up. This is, so basically, and I'm going to sound completely ignorant because I don't have the information in front of me, but the very watered down version of it is uh, 
I am sure that everybody heard about all the bodies of children, fucking babies, that were found uh, in these... In the residential schools. In residential schools. And there was... Canada. Yes. Here in the United States, there was a point where uh, indigenous children were being ripped from their families and put into foster care, allegedly And there's a law currently. Right. There are people currently trying to change the law. To to overturn it so that the, the safety measures that were put into place to prevent that from happening. And nobody, I don't give a fuck who you are, has the right to walk into somebody's house and take their children away from them like that when there's literal i've i i have friends that work for cps and i had a conversation with somebody once and i was like what would it take for cps to truly take away a child and here's the thing it's a lot it's actually a lot like their first goal is to keep the children with their parents except for you know if they're different and not fucking white apparently Well, we know how great we are historically at um, white people dealing with cultures. I mean, even also within other white groups. Mm. It, uh, we're bad at it. Yeah. And we're especially historically fucked in this area. Absolutely. Um, also, fuck Thanksgiving. <laughs> fuck Thanksgiving. We we don't celebrate that Thanksgiving. We don't. Like, that's not something that we do have a family tradition of gathering and being thankful. But we do not acknowledge the bullshit that was spoon-fed us in school that was just a fucking fairy tale to make white people it's look better. It's an incorrect narrative. Right. Um, so. And if you don't know that, yeah. like if maybe you hear that and you're feeling a little bristly because maybe Thanksgiving is your favorite. And I am quite certain that it's not your favorite because of the story. Right. That's the thing. No. And learning the real stories is really important and it doesn't mean that you can't eat a bunch of delicious food with people you love right meet together this thanksgiving when you say what you're thankful for maybe 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 educate somebody in your family or your friends giving about what's going on you know or take thankful for whose historic land you're on exactly and you can find it you can find out whose land you're on Oh, and yeah. then there you can are fascinating pay, maps that are interactive. And you can pay tribute to it. I am sorry, but the other cat was on the bed in mm-hmm. a giant blanket and just f- fell off the bed with the giant blanket. But I didn't know the cat was in there. So it looked like this comforter just yeeted itself off my bed with no provocation. <laughs> So that startled me for a bit. <laughs> so ghosts are interfering and they would like us to right. uh, move along, I guess. Yes. So I know that I ranted a lot, but it's been a while since we've had a good rant and acknowledged the fuckery. So it kind of felt good, but also, yeah. I mean, it's 
good to point it out, especially when you are in the culture that is known for perpetrating most of it. Exactly. So, yeah. Like, do a little something to unfuck your personal history. Yes. If if that is a thing that you need to do. Yes. And you can do yeah. it while eating mashed potatoes and gravy, dude. I'm cool with that. Oh, my God. I love mashed potatoes. Uh, the other night, uh, Haley and I just had mashed potatoes for dinner. Just a giant pile of mashed potatoes. <laughs> I, that, mm-hmm. It's just one of those things. So, uh... I believe that brings us to the <gasps> weekly, weekly worst way <laughs> to, to die. die. <clears throat> yes. Mine's colonization. So <laughs> Just colonization. Uh, that is an epically shitty way to die. Seriously. Agreed. Um, mine is a little more specific. Uh, which is giving birth while walking to Oregon and then immediately resuming said walk. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that much cardio. I'm pretty sure my uterus would just fall out of my vagina. Right. Like, (laughs) (sighs) yeah, I can't, can't even imagine. Like, I nope. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I think that just wins in and of itself. So, hey, do you want to be spooky internet friends? You do. <laughs> you can find us at Bones and Bobbins, ranting away on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of the social medias, or you could just pop on over to bonesandbobbins.com. It's true. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast because it really does please those internet gremlins who can be fed after midnight. <laughs> uh, and that's how we show up in recommendations so that other morbid souls like you yes. can find us. Bring forth the morbid souls! <laughs> yes. All of them. All of them. We want the entire collection, yes. even special editions. Exactly. For reasons. Okay. And on that note... Let us leave you with some advice that you should never forget. Lock your doors. And don't run with scissors. Each episode of the Bones and Bobbins podcast is written and researched by Haley Pearson Cox and Natalie Hoyce. Our music was composed by Loyalty Freak Music. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Bones and Bobbins. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify or check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts so you won't miss a minute of our strange and creepy content.